name is Corina Bravo. Yes, more? Can you hear me? Oh, but then it's the pop. I hate, I know. Okay, well, good morning. My name is Corina Bravo. For our new um, visitors, members, brothers in Christ, um, I was asked to share the word, and it's always a privilege to stand up here. It's not easy. Um, even though I, I've never had a fear of speaking in public, not even as a kid, never had that fear, but it's always, it's not easy to share the word because the word comes with weight and responsibility, and it's not, it's not to take lightly the privilege and the honor to share God's word because everything that I speak or that I give, I'm going to give an account to if somebody's led astray. And so um, it's not easy to stand up here and just loosely speak the word. But um, I was asked on Wednesday after my husband was unable to share um, because of work. And so um, I didn't have the word until this morning. Um, the Lord gave me the title over the weekend, but the word came this morning. So for those of you that know me, I talk a lot. So you should have brought your coffee. You need coffee <laughs> to wake you up. I hope you don't fall asleep during this message. Um, first, before I start, I want to say that 99% of the times that I've ever shared the word, it's because I've been confronted with the word. It's because I've been confronted with the message. And I know that um, I've sat and listened to others preach and thought, that is for me. And the reason it's for me is because they know me. They know my situation. They know what I'm going through, and they're just throwing stones. But really, 99% of the time that I've ever given a message is because God has dealt with me first. Right. And um, so the word he gave me was, follow me. That's the message for today, and we're going to start um, with a couple of stories, and it's going to come together if you'll just um, bear with me. Like I said, it was given this morning, so it might not be all prepared perfectly or whatever, but the Holy Spirit will do it. Father, I just thank you that you hear me, and I thank you, Father God, that your word is true, and I remove myself from this, Father God, that it may be your word, and that you put a flame in my mouth, Father God, that every word that comes out of it will penetrate everybody and that the soil is ready to receive your word, Father God. And, and I just pray and I ask, Father, and I thank you that I will see what you have promised and I will see the fruits of your word come forth because your word never goes out and it doesn't come back void. And I just thank you for that, God, in Jesus' name, amen. So let's go to Mark 1, and we're going to start in verse... 14. Before I start reading this, I want to share something that happened to me a couple weeks ago. Um, I was sitting in the back of my, uh, in the backyard on a step, and I was just reading it. In this, in this um, book, and I was as I was reading this exactly, um, Jesus said, "I see you." And sometimes we lose our identity and think that we're just little and tiny. 
um, compared to the big apostles or compared to the big disciples or compared to pastors or whatever. But he sees us in every situation. He sees us no matter how big or small we think we are. He sees us. So let's start in verse 14. And it says, sorry. Now after John, I'm sorry, is that the wrong one? Mark 14, Mark 114. Oh, there it is. Okay, it's 16. It's not 14, it's 16. And it says, and as he walked by the sea, this is Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and Andrew, his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. So I want to focus on something really quick. He said, follow me. But before he says, follow me, he, he sees them. He sees them in his likeness and in his image. To most people, a fisherman is just a fisherman, just fishing out sea. You throw it in some type of dock, and you send it to the store, and then people buy it, and you make a little money. These people were not people that had any type of degrees or any type of accomplishments, and he sees them. And how does he see them? He had already seen them. He had already seen them as fishers of men. But he gives the opportunity, he says, come follow me and be fishers of men. So it's something that they could accomplish. Why? Because God knew what he built. God knew what he built in each and every one of us to be more than conquerors and to be in the position, whichever it is that he calls you in. So you're already equipped for that. Man sees with the heart and his own understanding. Jesus doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Kalani's over there giving me signs. Um, and that's something very important. Sometimes for me, I'll speak for myself. I always like to speak for myself and give myself an, as, a, as an example. I can see myself with my heart and think that I haven't accomplished much. You know, almost 40 years of my life, and I could say I haven't accomplished much. But God said that I am to be fishers of men. God said that I can do anything and I can conquer anything and I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. And that's where my identity needs to lie and to trust in him. And the point of this message is not just in the following of Christ, but is trusting in the one that we follow. And that's what he was speaking to me about today. Verse 18 says, they immediately left their nets and followed him. We're going to see three different types of people throughout this calling to follow him. He says, follow me. How many of you has God called and have you left everything behind to follow? Or are you following and holding on to things? Are we following and we're not trusting in his way and we're not trusting in his steps? Like I said, this is a word that's been confronting me as well. In Miguelito, come here. I'm going to show a demonstration of something. Come here real quick. Thank you, son. Okay, if I tell you to follow me and I'm going to walk in front of you and I want you to take every single step that I take, okay? So my shadow goes this way with the light. Your shadow goes this way. If I go this way, 
If I go this way, if I go this way, if I go this way. This is exactly the replica of what, Je thank you, honey. Th that's exactly what Jesus wants us to do to follow him. If he said jump, you jump. If he says move, you move. And that's the following. But not only that, it's the trust. The trust that he, the way that he leads is right. The way that he leads is the correct way. And we need to trust that no matter what. It's what he said. He said, follow me. Would he say, follow me and lead us into damnation? Would he say, follow me and lead us astray? He wouldn't. And that's the thing that we need to understand. We need to trust in him. James 1.17 Please bear with me. It might be a little weird, but I know God wants to speak. I know God is speaking, and I know he wants to get stuff across. So if I come back and emphasize on something, it's because he's the one that's asking to do that. This is the man. This is the God. This is the spirit that we follow, and we should trust in this, that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. And I know that this word has been instilled in me many years and has been drilled in my head by many people. Every good gift comes from, and every perfect gift comes from God. That's the one that asked you to follow. He's the one that asked you to follow him. It's him. And then we go to John 8, 12. So I just want to show you guys who he is, just a little bit of who he is. I mean, there's many verses, powerful verses that describe who God is, but these are the ones that jumped out at me this morning. John 8, 12. You probably have it up there before me. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. This is who we follow. We have light. There is no darkness in us because he lives in us. This is who we follow. Proverbs 18.10. Well, I'll just look, put it up there. Okay, this is just going to emphasize on what the Lord had Kalani um, speak about during worship. And when he was saying it, I was laughing. So you're going you're gonna to click with me when you. So in Proverbs, Proverbs 8, 18.10, it says, And the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it, and they are safe. Then there is a verse that says, let's jump real quick to Psalms 138.2. I'm going to connect it really quick. Okay, so it says, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth, for you have magnified your word above all your name. Okay, and the reason why I'm bringing those two verses up is because in John 1, verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. So if you're not believing that the name of Jesus is enough, then the word is enough because he said he magnified his name. He magnified his word above his name, his name, the word. In the beginning was the word. 
The word was magnified above his name. The earthly name, the name that has power above all things is Jesus Christ. But if some people think, well, Jesus only paid for sin. Well, Jesus only paid for this. Well, it's not for this time. Well, Jesus is for this. Jesus is for that. He said he, he magnified his word above his name. And then, like Kalani said, eat my flesh, eat my word. Eat my word. It's Jesus Christ. In all of this, it's God. In all of it is God. It, it's all tied together. This is who we follow. This is who called you out to follow. Jesus Christ. The word. The word that brings medicine to your flesh. The word that brings peace to yourself. The one that restores. The one that made your spirit right. The one that gave your spirit no lack. Not trusting in the word. Follow me. Not trusting in Jesus. Something that has blown my mind as a believer in reading the word was the story about Lazarus. When Lazarus was in the tomb and Mary, let's jump there real quick in John 11. And we're going to start in verse 34. And 43, and I'm tying it all together, guys. I'm sorry if it seems like I'm not. John 11, 34, 43. After they're over here crying and letting him know that Lazarus is dead, he's in the tomb, Martha and Mary are in panic. How many times have we been Christian, crisis Christians? We see death, we see illness, we see something, we panic. But we forget the Messiah. We forget the one that called us to follow him. And we panic. And then all of a sudden we come to church and we want Brother Kalani, the pastor, whoever to hands on us. Because somehow we think that they're position in Christ is greater than ours or their faith in Christ is greater than ours but the truth is that he gave us the measure of faith and it's the measure of his own faith that dwells in us and so Mary and Martha they've been discipled by Christ they've sat around and listened they've seen the miracle signs and wonders the brother dies and they're panicking and then they go to him and then he says and he says where have you laid him he's asking where's Lazarus where have you laid him they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then check this out. It says Jesus wept in verse 35. Jesus cried. Think about this, what it says. It says, then the Jews said, see how he loved him? And some said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Before they said this, it says that Jesus wept. Could Jesus have wept because of what they're saying? Could Jesus have wept because he did love him? Or could Jesus have wept because of their unbelief? When they're calling him to come and see Lazarus, could have Jesus wept because of their unbelief? That's something that stood out to me. And then it says, then Jesus again groaning in himself. 
So does this sound like somebody that was loving? I'm crying because Lazarus died. No, it sounds like he's weeping because really I've been here this whole time and I've shown you all these things and you still have so much unbelief. You still don't believe. And he's going, okay, let's go. Let's go see where he's at. And then it says, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laid against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead for days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So think about the reason why he's weeping or why he wept or why he's groaning. Now then he said, these things, now then he said, he had said these things. He cried with a loud voice. Okay, he cried with a loud voice. He didn't say, Lazarus, come out. He said, Lazarus, come out. Did he say it because death needed to hear the power in his voice? Or was it people that needed to hear his authority and understand? I said, be healed today. I said, get up and not fear today. I said, I gave you authority. Walk in the authority. I said, you are saved. Does that make sense? Just wanted you guys' attention for a minute. Are we not sent by God? That's a question. Were we not sent by God? Yes. Does the same sweet spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead dwell in us or not? So why are we, why are we thinking that when we come into a situation that we cannot speak to it and say, be removed? For I am a son of the living God. Who are we following? The reason why I start always my prayers, and you guys have heard me, I hope you hear me forever, is, Father, I thank you. I always start my prayer like that since I can remember. And the reason is because I model what Jesus said in this story when he said right before, right before he called, right after he called him, it says, take away the stone. Let's go back really quick. Martha and his sister, and he was dead for four days. And Jesus said, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you hear me. Why do I say thank you, Father, that you hear me before I start a prayer? Because I am acknowledging to God and I am prophesying with my mouth that every single thing that I will say, God has heard it before I even said it. And everything that I need and want, God has already provided it. And that's why I said, Father, I thank you that you hear me. God is in eternity, and sometimes we forget that. We forget that God is in eternity. That means that he's already seen it. He's, he already knows. Right? And he said, if you ask, you receive. So 
God gives us the joy, God gives us the desires of our hearts so that our joy is made full. So if there's something that I desire, something that I'm asking for, something that I need to be removed, I thank him because he hears me, and the minute that that word comes out of my mouth, it's done, just the way it was with Lazarus. And it says, I know that you always hear me, but because of people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Who sent us? Who sent us? It's God. So we say, Father, I thank you that you hear me. So when things are done and manifested, they know that we are sent from God. And when they're manifested, we're, manifest we're manifesting the power of that spirit that rose Christ from the dead. Amen? You guys are quiet. I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling at the issue. <clears throat> to follow Christ, people think you're going to go into bondage. Or it's a setback from a goal or a dream. We saw in the beginning how he called out Peter. Yes, Peter, the one that denied him, right? Peter, the one that wanted to beat everybody up. I, I would, if I could go back in time and say, well, if I was one of his disciples, I would have been one of the sons of thunder because I would have want everybody ob obliterated and just, you know, <laughs> oh, up higher. Oh, I thought you were telling me to shut up. Um, He's going like this. Oh, okay. So um, anyways, we saw how Peter was called out and Andrew, and they immediately followed. It's like the seed, boom, hit, and there was a conviction there. That's the Messiah. That's the Christ. Let's go. Now we're going to see two examples, two examples of one who many times has been me, and another one who many times has been me, okay? <laughs> In all of this, he has said to me, follow me. So, have you ever felt or thought that serving God would set you back? I have. Because I had this religious idea that if I came into the church and served the church, then for some reason being in the church it would make me poor because I wouldn't work as much because I would be working more in the church and then my financial situation at home would change and somehow I would just be poor and then people thought well poor is good you're supposed to be poor when you know when you're a believer because prosperity is you know evil it's from hell you shouldn't be prosperous in the gospel so those were things unfortunately that religious mindsets in my head and then the other, the other um, thing was that, well, reality. And I lean on my own understanding of things. And so should I follow God? Because those things are like, yeah, they're in heaven, but they're not here on earth. And so I still need these things to accomplish my life. And so I'll just leave God over here, and then I'll lean on my own understanding to do everything else. But then when I need God, then I'll just run, and then I know he's there. So I've been there. That's the, that's the kind of person that I've been. And I haven't been wise like the ant. You know, we talk a lot about um, wanting to work more, accomplish goals, and the ant goes out all season and is building up their, their little stash, you know, for the winter and stuff. Um, and was I trusting God or was I trusting in my own strength to fill up my pantry, to fill up my bank account, 
And then when COVID came, oh, my God, I'm going to starve. Oh, my God, there's not going to be work. But I'm going to tell you something. I was pressured into a vaccine. I was pressured into losing a job. And in all of that, these two years have been the best years financially because I trusted God. Yes, I lost my job. No, I didn't get the vaccine. And my health is good. My kids are good. And my financial situation is good. And I never begged for bread. So I'm just telling you, when we do it, when we try and do it in our own strength, what happened to the Israelites in Israel with the manna? You see two hearts, a greedy heart and one that has a poverty mentality. One to only hold, oh, well, I'm just going to take four, even though God is giving you like 20. I'll just take four. I don't want to look bad in front of everybody else and look like, ooh, you're taking too much. And then the one that took a lot, it disappeared anyway, right? It rotted away. Anyways, let's get into this example. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. And that is a verse that I say every single time I have a negative thought, a negative thought of death, a negative thought of I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have calamity in my house or there's a plague that's going to come in and wipe us out or I'm going to lose this or I'm, I'm going to lose that. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean into not, lean, lean not into your own understanding and in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your, your steps. That's what that whole verse says. So we're going to talk really quick about these two people. I'm sorry I'm going everywhere. I just felt like I needed to say that. The rich fool who trusted in his own works planned out his life and never acknowledged God in his ways. And that's in Luke 12, 13 through 34. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, man. <laughs> How many times do we say that in Spanish? Way, bro. Jesus is saying, Man, who made me a judge or an arbit? How do you say that word? Arbitrator. Arbitrator over you. And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Sometimes, like I said, I thought that I would be good if I had it all worked out. If my bank account had a certain amount, if my closet had enough clothes, if my kids had enough shoes, if my pantry had enough food. Okay? <clears throat> then he spoke the parable saying, the ground, of a the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful, plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And then I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many, good you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. He didn't say you. I'm putting the you fool the night your soul this night your soul will be required of you okay god didn't kill him it just says the soul was required of him so don't blame this death on god okay just saying 
Because a lot of people go, oh, see, God does kill. Okay. Anyways, getting back, where was I? Uh, this night, your, your soul will be required of you. Then, who, whose will those things be which you have provided? So is, he, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body. This is who we're following. Listen to the man that told you, follow me. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what will you eat, nor about your body. What will you put on? Life is more than food. The body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God fed them. How much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to a statue? If you are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Why are we anxious for tomorrow? We can't fix tomorrow. We can only speak it into being. We can speak tomorrow into being. Did he not say? In your mouth lies life or death. Did he not say, you speak to the mountain? Did he not say that? I'm just saying. Did he? Okay, so the only thing that we can do is speak into being. Why are we worrying? We need to trust that he said, don't worry. God, you'll provide tomorrow. God, my life is in your hands. Right? God, you will provide food for tomorrow. You will provide work for the next coming years. Okay? Then it says, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So I look better than Solomon, let me tell you, because if God is concerned for the lilies, and Solomon had, he even perfumed himself. Okay, he perfumed himself back in the day. And I was telling, I was telling my husband the other day, do you think they used deodorant? No, he said, I think they were all just used to the stink. <laughs> so it like made no difference. No, this is Solomon. Solomon had all the riches. And yet God considered the lily more beautiful than how Solomon was dressed up in all the arrays of Solomon. And then if God so closes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you for you of little faith? He didn't say you didn't have faith. Okay, it's not that you don't have faith. Okay. Then it says, and do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide, yourself, provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the point of here is we got to trust in the one that owns all the silver and the gold. Right? And then he said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Why? Because is our heart 
settled in the treasures of God or is our heart settled in the things of the world? Okay. Now, let's jump to the next one. If we trust, if we trust in God and we trust in the one that he said, follow me, everything will be added. So we lack nothing. We lack nothing. Example of service and where your heart is. This one is for the youth. And then I'll finish with something really good that I felt God was talking about. So let's go to Matthew 19, 16, 22. So we're talking about the three different types of people. But it's the same God that called both of them, all three of them, I'm sorry. So let's jump, jump to Matthew 19, 16, 22. <clears throat> now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come follow me. Come follow me. But when the young man heard the sayings, he went on, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So this is the third type of person. And it all comes back to leaning in our own understanding and not trusting in the one that asked us to follow him. This is a young ruler. Because could his experience be the reason why he didn't see life in a different way and thought, well, I have a lot of money and I've seen a lot of poor people and I don't want to be like them. And this guy is asking me to sell everything and follow him and I don't see him in a you know, nice chariot, whatever. Should I? The riches were too much. I don't believe, I don't believe, and this is just my thought, maybe he didn't have the love for the money. His problem was doubt and not trusting God. His problem was doubt and not trusting in the one who said, follow me. For all of us that are in our fourth decade and above, I'll say something. We've seen life maybe a different way than most of you teens over there. And we, we think that maybe my mom is out of her mind pastors are out of their mind Jesus is out of his mind when I get to an age where I feel like all right I'm ready to settle down and serve the Lord I'll have the time to do that and then I'll just mature and then I'll serve God and then I won't trust in my strength because I'm young and I won't trust in the fact that I want to get these goals done and then when I'm ready I'll go ahead and follow Christ that happened to me I was called by Jesus Christ when I was 14 years old but I didn't come to him until I was 30 and I came to him as a crisis Christian. That's what brought me back. And from the time I was 14 until then, I knew, it was, I knew who he was. I would pray to him. I would speak to him. But I wasn't ready for the commitment because of my youth, my immaturity, not trusting 
that everything would be added to my life, that I wasn't going to be a setback. It was going to be a go forward. And I didn't realize that everything that he had put in me was to bless others. And it wasn't to be contained for myself, but it was to bless others with what he put in me. So now I say this. Now I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Let's go to Joshua 14, 10 to 12. Because for us, like I said, the ones that are hitting that 40 mark and above, I have recently had this thing where I've been feeling like, well, in 10 years I'll be 50. And then my kids, my kid will be 30. And then my other kid will be, you know, 25. And then the other one, you know, and I just kept thinking, and then I kept thinking, what the heck am I doing in the kingdom? Is it done? Like, is like, am I done? Like, what else is there? But there is hope because God said in James that he's not a respecter of person. And in Joshua 14, it says, and now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. This is Caleb. Okay. And this is to encourage us, all of us, but more the ones that think that our life is going downhill instead of uphill. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. He has, let me see, I'm sorry, let me, let me read it because I don't like the way it cuts off. Joshua judges Ruth, right? That's the order. Joshua judges. Joshua 14. Okay. Joshua 14:10. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Has he not kept us alive, people? Amen. As he said, who said? God said. And he's kept me alive. These 45 years since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet I am strong this day as the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now my strength for war, both for, for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me the mountain which the Lord spoke in that day. You guys are quiet. This should be like, yay. It doesn't matter your age. He said, follow me. It doesn't matter if we're 40, 50, 60, 70. He's 85 years old. 85. And God promised him at 40. And at 85, his strength was still the same. So it's not over. He said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You will do greater things, and you will do greater works. And that's what I want to leave you guys with today. Who said he will keep our lives? God. The word of God. God said, I have spoken these things over you. I have plans for you, right? Plans to prosper you, to give you a life, a hope, future, and the ending that we want. Because he's glorified when our joy is made full. Right? So I just wanted to leave that. And that's the end of it. And be blessed. Amen.